welcome to season four of Walton Biz Talk. I'm Jesse Schneeblin. And I'm Summer Staubacher. And we are starting season four. Um, this season, we have a lot of really great guests. We're talking about leadership again this season. It's a very popular topic. Um, Dean Matthew Waller is with us. And we also have some interesting students, some Walton alum, and some really awesome community members. We are also saying goodbye to Summer, our co-host, and welcoming a new co-host. Yes, I will be graduating this May, so sadly I will be leaving, but I'm really um, excited to introduce Ryan Decker. He will be co-hosting season five. Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm an accounting major from Kansas City with minors in business analytics, behavioral economics, and communication, and I'm just really excited to help co-host Walton Biz Talk for season five. So with that, we're going to kick off season four. Our first episode is with Gabe Galster. You all remember Gabe. He talked to us as a freshman, and now he's joining us again this season as a sophomore. He's going to talk to us about leadership, um, his experiences on campus as a sophomore, and some really cool flying stories because he's got his pilot's license. Um, So welcome to season four. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, I am Summer Stahlbomber, and I'm here with Jesse Schneeblen. Hello. And today we have our only recurring guest on the show, Gabe Galster. He is a sophomore finance major, so hello, Gabe. Thank you so much for being hey, here. Hey, nice to be here. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yes, we're excited to have you back. Uh, so we kind of like to start off like this, as you probably know, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a sophomore at the U of A. Um, got here last year, and as I said last year, I mean, I, I didn't really look at a whole lot. The U of A has pretty much been it for me. I went through high school, grew up in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, bigger, small town, whether you're from Arkansas or not. Everyone in Arkansas seems to think it's a huge city. <laughs> but it's only a, only a town of about 50,000. But um, other than that, I, uh, I'm involved in the College of Business. I'm an ambassador for career services just, just across the way at... Um, Willard J. Walker Hall. Um, and other than that, been to a few outperformance challenges. I'm a private pilot, got that a couple of years ago. That's and cool. um, yeah, other, other than that, I'm a, I'm a pretty average college student, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that I want to mention for our listeners is that Gabe actually was our guest on the podcast in his freshman year. And we got Gabe as just an entering freshman, um, a little wide-eyed, if you don't mind me saying. No, 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 I don't mind it at all. I totally <laughs> um, agree. But new, new to the town, new to the college, and so we talked to Gabe a lot about where he was from, how he chose the U of A. Um, so really today what we want to do is check in uh, a little bit with mm-hmm. Gabe and see how his perspective has changed. We're going to talk to him a little bit today, too, also about our theme for the semester, um, which is leadership, as you all know, mm-hmm. um, if you've been listening. <laughs> um, and so... Gabe, you know, um, you've been here, what, for a year now? For a year now, yep. For a year, yep. okay. And you're already doing some extra stuff. So last time you were not a career services ambassador, and last time you were a f- international finance major. Yes, okay? yes. So your major has changed, mm-hmm. and you are more involved in the Walton College. So um, let's start with your major. Like, how did it change and why? And then, you know, how did you start getting involved on campus? Well, um, my involvement on campus started the day that I got here. I, I mean, I went and immediately started going to as many business things as I could. Right. Um, anything that you would get an email about or that a student would get an email about and just sort of brush it off to the side, I made it I made it a goal of mine to be able to go to all those events. Because mm-hmm. so I thought your that... Check your emails. <laughs> yep, yep, check your emails, absolutely. But... Um, 
other than that, the reason that I changed my major was because as I got deeper and deeper into my Spanish classes and I finally got to intermediate too, I started realizing that even though I wanted to be able to be a fluent Spanish speaker and be able to go and grasp all the different international business opportunities that were out there, I really... I really had a mental block when it came to learning a foreign language. <laughs> Jamie, you need to study abroad. I know, I know. I want to do it. And, yeah, I'm, yeah. and I'm scared of whether studying abroad is the right thing or not. Like, that's a that's a great question for you guys, for mm-hmm. me, is is whether study abroad is the right decision or not. Because I've heard two different sides to it. That being that study abroad is more of a vacation than a learning experience. Oh, no, I don't think that's and true I've, at all. I mean, I definitely think it has a fun aspect to it. But right. especially if you went for the semester-long mm-hmm. program, so you could really, because I have a friend right now who's in Spain for a semester-long mm-hmm. program, and she, at this point, is pretty much fluent in Spanish, mm-hmm. oh, that's, and that's because she, you know, is immersed mm-hmm. in the culture. And that's that's what I thought, is that it'd be better for me to go on and just immerse myself in a culture and yeah. travel to, a, to another country and mm-hmm. experience all the things that go along with the language that you'll be speaking so that I could have a little bit of background instead of just taking a test over vocabulary words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you, like, even if international finance is not your major, I mean, I'd still recommend studying abroad for every, Absolutely. every student, Absolutely. every major, just I've, because it's, it's such an incredible opportunity, I think, to learn in a different environment. I mean, to, even if it's like a, you know, um, maybe not immersing you in the language, it's still an opportunity to learn things that you would you would never really learn here. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I've heard from every single person that, mm-hmm. that I've spoken to that study abroad. They've, yeah. they've only had incredible things to say about it, mm-hmm. and they've only made me feel like it's the best decision for me, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> and it's good it's good to hear from, from you guys that, that it's, that it's, a, it's a really great learning experience right. instead of something which I was afraid of, that it'd be more of like a vacation where... Oh. Where you're with you're with a group of people though. that you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it either, though at all. It's it's a it's a great right, experience. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what you make of it. I mean, I think you can make it just about as much of a vacation as you want it to be. Absolutely. But if you want it to be more of that learning experience, it definitely Absolutely. sets itself up to be sure. like that. Sure. But so you're still a finance major, though. Still a finance still major. A finance major. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm incredibly interested in anything that has to do with business. I mean, I've. Like I said last year, in my opinion, and this isn't bashing any any other career path, but I, I feel like business is, is the way to, to really be in touch with what runs the world. I mean, I, I feel like business is at the core of it. Everything is a company for the most part. And, and if you can be a business major and actually have knowledge of what the background and the numbers are that really run and turn the gears for our society as a whole, you you're at the you're at the forefront you're you're doing well so i've always been incredibly interested in that because because i, I want to be at the at the leading edge of mm-hmm. of everything that, that we do as a society and mm-hmm. I've, I've always thought that was incredibly interesting i don't have any specific career path planned out yet and last year i did you last did. year i did i was i was incredibly specific in what right, i wanted to do right. i thought i wanted to be in investment banking and right. i was just going to go to the top but <clears throat> more and more it's not that I feel like that's unachievable. Mm-hmm. It's more and more that I feel like you you really need to take a t- like take a step back and learn things a step at a time, and right. and that goes into leadership too. That I, right, right. you really need to not dive in head first and think that it's going to be an easy road there, but embrace the journey that it mm-hmm. takes to be able to get to whatever yeah. goal you set up. And for me, I've, I'm embracing the fact that I would like to stay in country maybe and do an internship. I, I still yeah. would like to like travel, but right, right. I want to be able to gain a little bit of experience first and 
I'm okay with it not necessarily being investment banking. Right. But I'm open to all the possibilities that, that could play into my major of finance, honestly. Right. And what other things as a finance major, aside from investment banking, are you interested in or could you do necessarily? Um, well, other than investment banking, what, I, what I'm really interested in is, I mean, market analysis of any of any sort of market that you would go into. I mean, there's there's infinite different companies out there that specialize in infinite things. And I, I don't necessarily think that I'm leaning any way or another, but I've always thought that that's incredibly interesting to be able to analyze exactly what, what the profit margins and what the, all the different things that play into being in a certain market is and then be able to go and analyze that and be a part of it. That's like I said, yeah. Have you gotten into any of your like major finance courses yet or is it still business prereqs? Uh, still business prereqs. Okay. Yep, still business prereqs. I'm going to be taking uh, business foundations this next semester though. Okay. So starting to get into it and then I finance after that. So <laughs> ready for junior year. Yeah. Ready for junior year. Yeah, starting to gear up yeah. for it even though um, we're still in... Is there like a class that you particularly liked or... Uh, so far, it's... I, I hate to go all the way back to the podcast that we were at before, but <laughs> business law is honestly yeah, one of my favorite yeah, classes that's still. Awesome. That's and awesome. and that could have a lot to do with the professor also. Yeah. Professor Greenhall is yeah. amazing. <laughs> he's he's really able to connect with the students well and he made me feel like less than it being a class that I was watching like a like for instance I'm interested in YouTube videos I watch a ton of YouTube okay. videos every yeah. night whether that be like a TED talk or something on how to swing a golf club right but <laughs> I felt like it was more of like a like a TED talk with right. him he was he was not only just teaching us a curriculum but telling us about the life experiences that mm-hmm. he had that applied to the different foundations that we were learning right. throughout the course so that's really it was, interesting. It was like really that interesting class you either love it or you hate it like there's no <laughs> one that is just neutral on it i love yeah. it as well absolutely yeah, it was so interesting but some of my friends just absolutely like loathed the class mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> it was hard it, it yeah, was hard yeah. yes <laughs> a big reason yeah and that's that's a big reason also that i'm a finance major is because in yeah. business instead of it being numbers where it's applied like engineering mm-hmm. where, where you would be constructing something or figuring out whether it's going to fall down or be safe for people to walk on mm-hmm. in terms of like a bridge um with business it's actually concepts it's it's you conceptualizing everything and figuring out whether what what would happen in the future if you were to take a certain route with mm-hmm. with a certain business plan and I, I think that's that's really cool to be able to shape the future in a way like yeah. that I like how you talk about it you make everything sound very cool and <laughs> grandiose yeah and that's that's how I think about it I Maybe feel like you if you don't if you marketing. don't yeah yeah I've always heard that and honestly that that is been what I've been thinking about maybe getting a minor in honestly because yeah that and that's great to hear because I haven't talked to a whole lot of marketing majors mm-hmm. and that's something that I want to be able to tell listeners is take advantage of your peers because yeah. you don't realize it now and you're all on sort of the same path now but here in the future we're all going to be branched in a million different directions so take advantage of people's viewpoints and where they're going with life so that maybe it can help shape where, what you're doing. Because for me, there's been plenty of situations where if I didn't have someone really educated on a subject that I didn't know much about right beside me giving the good pointers, mm-hmm. then, then I, I, there's any number of different wrong paths that I could have taken. And I feel like I'm on the right one now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the right one now. Yep. 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully. But I, I bet you're on the right mm, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good to hear. <sighs> well, as a freshman, I know you were, it, you talked to us about being kind of really excited to try out a lot of different clubs mm-hmm. and yep. be involved in a lot of things. And now you're involved as a campus ambassador, correct? Yep. So, I tell us a little bit about that and yeah. what it's like being involved on campus. Well, it's, it's really cool because with the ambassador, um, with becoming an ambassador, what ended up happening is the director of career services, Renee Clay. She's a, she's around at nearly every business operation that happens, any info (laughs) session or anything that happens on campus, you can pretty much count on her being there. And with me going and seeking out all these different things that I could do first semester of freshman year, I got in touch with her a ton, just as I got in touch with you, right, Jesse. Right. And I saw Gabe everywhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and I'm I'm still around. I'm right, still right. around. But um, with with being around a lot, she was able to see me, and it wasn't necessarily that I was a great communicator. It wasn't necessarily that I was excelling in all these different things. It was just that I put my, myself out there. Right, you made yourself known. I yeah. just made myself known, and I always made it a point to put my face out there mm-hmm. so that people could be able to know who I was rather than knowing that rather than being the best or spending all my time on on one thing or another I I just wanted to put my face out Mm -hmm. there and Mm -hmm. that's what got me the ambassador position and now with with how it's progressed throughout this past year um it's really cool because I'm involved in any of the any of the senior surveys that are given Mm -hmm. out our opinions are given on that so Um, what before you get before you keep going, what is a career services ambassador? Like career what? services ambassador is like a uh, advisor to to the career services uh, coaches, because as you know, I mean they're they're not college students. Right. Many of the career coaches are going to be people who are in in their career being coaches right, at, at right. career services. Okay. So what they have trouble with is figuring out what the student perspective on a lot of things oh, are. Okay. Um, so you're more of an ambassador for the students. More of an ambassador. Services. Yes. Yes. Okay. That, that'd not, be a better way of putting it. Okay. Well, I was curious if like you were out there telling students about career services, but it's kind of the other mm-hmm. way around. It's kind of the other way around. Okay. I'm, I'm you, we're the link between the student body and the career coaches. Fantastic. Okay. And that's taken advantage in a lot of ways with yeah. us because we, we, we're part of any survey that's given. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our opinions are given on that. And, uh, other than that, a big thing that we've been part of is the emails, the way that students find out about, mm-hmm. about, for instance, all these emails that I learned about all these events through, Right. they ask us what's the best way to get information out to the students. What's the best way to set up an email? How should we set up handshake? Right, right. These kind of things. So it's, pretty much shaping the way that information is given to students. That's yeah. that's a lot of how we do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty cool, and, and there's so much room for that around campus, too, I found out, mm-hmm. is that even though, I mean, we're not just the most exceptional group ever, we're, we're I mean, a lot of people see us as a really critical part of the, of the college of business because of the fact that <clears throat> there's just not many students who are giving their harsh opinion in some cases on on what the college is doing and how students perceive it right right yeah kind of an abstract way of putting that <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't know, but... I totally had my yeah yeah career services ambassador backwards i always yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. that ambassadors would go out and tell college students right. about career services right. 
I, that's what I was thinking. But that's really awesome. Yeah. So what else are you involved in right now? So your career services ambassador, um, are you doing anything else? Are you are you in Leadership Walton? I am in Leadership Walton. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Yep. Still doing Leadership Walton. Okay. Completely recommend that to anyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. by <laughs> far, I, I would say, the most beneficial organization to be a mm-hmm. part of on campus. They're all beneficial, but Leadership Walton puts you in touch with all the right people at just the right time. And I you would, did that I your first semester, right? Yes, okay. did it my first semester. Made sure to get a get on it over the summer whenever I was entering into the whenever I applied right. for the college and went to our uh, orientation. I made okay. sure to be a part of that. Um, other than leadership, Walton, I've uh, I'm still involved in Student Alumni Association and okay. in that. And other than that, I've uh, I've gotten more involved in the fraternity. I know that people see fraternity <laughs> life. What are which you in? Also, I, I wasn't a part of that whenever oh, we last right. did this. Yeah. yeah. I ended up rushing. Uh, okay. I'm a Kappa Alpha now. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. Right. And uh, I know a lot of people see the fraternity life and Greek life as something that could possibly be bad for your college experience. Sure. I mean, understandably, that's it's how it's been perceived anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's incredibly beneficial. It's helped me a lot. I, I have something to... It? Well, whenever I wasn't in a fraternity before and whenever I wasn't in Greek life, um, I didn't have such a group of people to fall back on for really any situation that I was in. Like, for instance, whenever I was uh, whenever I was not a part of the Greek life last year, I didn't have a group of 200 guys that had experienced any situation that I was probably going to go through. Honestly, anything that that I needed help on or anything that I wasn't sure of, at least one of those guys, I could just shoot it into the group meet and one of them would have some sort of knowledge of of what I was going through or how to help me out on that. So it's almost like a support group that you can have with you at all times. It's, that's how I see it and that's the main reason that I got into it. That's awesome. Kind of links back to what you said about using your peers. Absolutely, yeah. you have a lot more peers that way. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, instead of instead of having a close friend group of, I mean, what would be usually ten people, mm-hmm. and then having classmates on top of that in my classes, I've got that close group of like ten friends, and right, then all my right. classmates. But on top of that, I've got two hundred and fifty guys that wow. I can pretty much rely on to be able to give me insight on yeah. in times that I would definitely need insight. Sounds useful. Yeah, yeah. Quite Sounds useful enough. <laughs> Sounds useful enough. And, I, and I've used it. I've used it time and time again. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, well, we're talking about leadership this semester, so or this whole season, really. Mm-hmm. We ended up doing an extra season of this topic because uh-huh. it was really popular, and there's just so much insight and knowledge I think we can pull from. So I'm interested, one, in hearing, like, how do you define leadership? For me, leadership is one of the hardest words to define <laughs> because... Whenever people think about leadership and they think about a leader, they think about like a CEO of a company. Mm-hmm. They think about a general or someone who is giving a speech in front of 100,000 people <laughs> and leading a movement. Mm-hmm. But instead, you can be a leader in, in any number of ways. You can be a leader in your own life even. You can be a leader socially. You can be a leader conceptually without even necessarily going out and influencing lives. And for me, leadership is incredibly interesting in that way because it's not, I guess a good way of describing a leader is someone, not someone that gets food, but it's someone that goes out to have to get their food. They, they, they seek a, a better way of doing things and I don't know, it's What do you mean hard. by that? Like go, go like, gets food? Well, I, for instance, I talked with my dad about this before and we were talking and uh, 
He was just defining that leaders aren't given anything. You have to go out and seek it. Because if you're going to be a leader in any sort of in any sort of organization or, or what it be, you're, you're not going to be able to go and necessarily lead without first having experience. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lead without first going through the hardship and the mm-hmm. bad experiences first because whether you like it or not, you learn a lot more from failures than, and seeking out things on your own than from someone pushing you into something or someone just giving you something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I figured out time and time again is that even going back to, uh, we had a outperformance challenge that I was in just recently in career services. They made sure that most of the ambassadors got into it, but uh, I ended up being one of only three sophomores there, and I was terrified. What is the out? Can you explain a little bit about what that so, is? So RB, company that is involved in a lot of consumer products like Mucinex, mm-hmm. uh, any, I, I'm, I'm sure viewers might know more about RB than I even do, but... Um, they went and they hosted an outperformance challenge where they gave us a business problem that we had to solve in a four-person group. And we competed with 15 other four-person groups. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a challenge that I knew from the start that I probably probably wasn't going to win. It was it was something that I knew that I'd be in that challenge with, with a bunch of other people that honestly were probably seniors and mm-hmm. they were probably majoring in things that were going to be pretty aligned with where the outperformance challenge would be leaning towards. Which in this challenge, it was trying to find out how to increase household penetration mm-hmm. of a pill that actually, in, in reality, wasn't doing very well mm-hmm. in, its, in its market share. For instance, it was like Omega Red, like mm-hmm. a fish pill. And, and one of the biggest problems was that there were generic brands that mm-hmm. were pretty much taking over the market and that Omega Red wasn't really able to uh, compete with them because they were so much cheaper. So your <clears throat> the challenge is that you have to solve this sort of problem. You have right? to solve this sort and of then problem. You compete in presentations? Is that? Uh, we compete in presentations. Yes. Okay. In front of uh, the business executives, which there were oh, twenty nice. of them there, and <laughs> two different rooms. So it was it was pretty stressful, yeah. and it was everything that I thought it would be. Have I got in there. I think I did. I did a lot better than I thought I would. Nice. <laughs> that's and awesome. I mean that's. Part of the fact because because I did kind of beat myself up before it, and I, I, I was really trying as hard as I could to prepare for it, and right. it ended up working out pretty well. But the main thing was is how much I learned from it. Right. It wasn't necessarily that I was going in there to win the competition or to be the best presenter out there. I was just going there because I knew that at the end of it, I would know tenfold of what I knew before mm-hmm. when it came to to business operations like right. I didn't know what a P&O sheet was before that <laughs> challenge and when I when and we, we knew the entire time that we were going to be presented with a challenge in the middle of it something that's going to change up how we were prepared and right. um, they ended up giving us a P&O sheet at the, in the middle of it that pretty much outlined that the profit margins that we had thought and the different numbers that we had thought that applied to the omega three or the omega red were completely different than we than they were before. It's like a su- surprise and, twist. Uh-huh, and I, I didn't know about a lot of the different economic terms that were on the sheet. Yeah. I didn't know what they meant at all. Right, right. And this is a huge deal because I'm right. getting ready to present to the people that right. actually run the company, the company that is that is and they they they're experts on it. Right. And I'm about to tell them about what my opinion on how they should run that is. <laughs> And I don't know the next thing. Here I am, right. just a fresh sophomore in the U of A. I was only in high school a year ago, and I'm giving, I'm giving, 
I'm giving my opinion on how to run a market for a for right. a, a pill that I mean is going to sell millions and mm. tens of millions and and hopefully profit for the company. Right. But um, yeah, that playing back to the leadership, the reason that I got into that outperformance challenge was to learn a lot. I knew that I wasn't going to win from the beginning, but I knew that it'd be a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And part of leadership is taking advantage of all these opportunities that um, that you're given rather than going and just sitting back and letting things come to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because biggest thing in life that I've ever, I've ever, a lot of, well, the biggest thing that I've followed is, is putting yourself out there rather mm-hmm. than staying stagnant. So, right. And so far, that's worked out. You you learn as as much as you can and take it in while you can. Mm-hmm. That's that's my philosophy. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. it's so great to see that you're still kind of living by that because we <laughs> talked about that a little bit last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're still doing that, and it sounds like it's really paid off and mm-hmm. done a lot of good for you. Which Absolutely. Is awesome. Yep. I've I've learned a lot. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> This conversation could have went one or two ways. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. It's... I think I think a big part of leadership, which you touched on earlier, mm-hmm. um, kind of saying that you you expressed it as having you know like a lot of peers to ask questions mm-hmm. with, but having a big network. Absolutely. People to fall back on or just ask questions to. And I think you've done like an astounding job with that by going to so many things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't do that to that volume at all ever because that's. <laughs> scary in a sense it's right? terrifying oh it's gosh, terrifying yes. and so i just i think you've done such a great job with that and i think that's something that students should do more because mm-hmm. it's so easy honestly to just go mm-hmm. but at the same time it's so terrifying right um but i think to hear it from you like you got a job out of it right mm-hmm. absolutely uh, so i think it really does work out kind of growing that network yeah. well how do you get over that like you're talking about being terrified like how do you I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. You just have to go to you more things. Anyway. You just right. you just have to you just have to go in anyways. I mean and confidence is key. Knowing just for me, it's not like I necessarily get any less nervous going to any of these mm-hmm. any of these things. It's not like I was any less nervous than the person beside me whenever we were presenting. Right. It was just that I told myself that look, I've done this before. I'm yeah. a sane person. I can think about this rationally. And if I just sit back, take a deep breath. I can most likely answer these questions that they're going to throw at me with some sort of rationale and some sort of basis in reality. Mm-hmm. So just got to tell yourself that everything's going to be okay, and it's all a learning experience. Right. It's not, What's the worst It's not that we're trying happen, to learn. Right? Yeah. I think that's the probably something more. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and something, something that scares everyone so much is failure. I mean, you've just right. got it. Like I said, you've just got to have that confidence. And something that I see all around me every day is that people now are terrified to fail. They're terrified to fail. And all around me, I see that people see it instead of a learning experience, they see it as something that they need to try to win. Mm-hmm. And that if they don't win, that they failed. Mm-hmm. Winning is only, that's, that's only for the very, very top. You have to earn the, you have mm-hmm. to earn the, the win, right. I feel like. And honestly, none of us, no sophomore at the U of A is going to earn really winning an outperformance challenge unless they've done incredible all through high school and they've been some sort of practice. Unless they, unless they've right. pretty much majored in business before or some sort right. of business major before then. I mean, they're, they're really, you're just probably not going to win, but it's all a learning experience. Yeah. yeah. That's a great, I think that's a great advice. Just Absolutely. do it to learn. Yeah. And I don't, if you fail, it's not. I don't want for that to sound like 
victim or, or no, downing no, at all that you're not going to win. Actually, like it's a just, lot of people who have come on and talked to us about leadership, they always talk, like, not always, but a lot of them talk about failure. Yeah. This is another theme that has emerged. Well, and uh, I think taking the these things that seem so scary, especially like networking mm-hmm. events mm-hmm. and all those emails you get, um, and not looking at them as something like, oh, I need mm-hmm. to get a job from this, but like, oh, I could gain some valuable skills just from going to this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think maybe even looking at it like that makes it a tiny bit less daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, there's really nothing to lose if you just go thinking you're going to learn something. Absolutely. Because yeah. you'll learn something regardless. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I was I was in that, that negative mindset where I was trying to win last year. I did, an, I did a uh, presenter of the year competition. Yeah, we had that. Yep, yep. <laughs> I remember seeing you guys there for it, and I, I was probably more terrified for that than I was anything else that I've done in college right. so far. I mean, that was well, I, because eight, right? I was brand First new. Semester. Absolutely. And I mean, even walking in, hearing some of these people recite their, their mm-hmm. speeches and their presentations, I was like, am I going against business executives or other <laughs> students? I mean, this is, this is terrifying. Right, but right. for that, I'm going to be honest. When I went into it, I got into the room and I had my presentation pulled up and my mind went blank. completely blank I didn't know what I was going to say and just after that I I was going to have the podcast with you too so I figured that if I wasn't going to do good in this how the heck am I going to have a 30 minute podcast but I went and uh got into got into there completely forgot everything only only said probably half of the things that I meant to say during the presentation and I'll tell you what I learned 10 times more than I ever thought I would. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like I'm 10 yeah. times a better presenter than I was before just by being a horrible presenter that one time. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I, like I said, tenfold the confidence that I did before right. just because I failed so bad. And there's right. nothing wrong with failing because you're going to remember a scar a lot better than you remember a win, honestly. Yeah, that's a great, that's yeah. a great way of, of putting it. Like, I, I present all the time and I have for a really long time, but... Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll have a presentation <laughs> that doesn't go the way that I want it to go. And that just happens, but it's that being able to look at it critically and think, mm-hmm. okay, it didn't go well, but like, how can I do better? Or wh- where are some areas, um, opportunities for improvement? And I think just by doing that, just by having sometimes like those like rough interactions can be really, really helpful. Absolutely. That's so Absolutely. great that, I, that you were able to reflect on it in that way rather than just this, is, this was a negative exactly. experience. Like, yeah, like I hated it or I didn't do well or I'm never going to yep. public yep. speak again. But you use Absolutely. that as an opportunity to reflect and, and to learn. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Especially with public speaking. I mean, the only mm-hmm. way to be comfortable with it or get better at it is to do it more right. often. Just practice. It's yep. one of those things, right? And I, I'm going to make up the statistic in my head, but... I think it's like one of the most feared things. It it's is. like it right up there with like the fear of death. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like public speaking. Public speaking. Seriously, <laughs> honestly, no. Honestly, like public speaking. And I think that's I'm sure so you could crazy. see it on my face that morning. I honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I had the fear of death. of death. It was like a pale, clammy face. That's, that's what I had. But it's, like I said, it's all a learning experience. Practice right. makes perfect, and that yeah. applies to everything. Yeah. That doesn't just apply to riding a bike. That applies to public speaking. You, if you... If you practice it enough and you fail enough, eventually you're going to give a good speech. Yeah, so. yeah. And I bet uh, you yeah. after all these Walton events, I bet you have the best elevator pitch. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I've, and, and I, I mean, I, I have given my elevator pitch many times. Mm-hmm. 
but it's different every time. If, right. if well, I'm going to be honest, I, I, right. I didn't have it really scripted until this outperformance challenge because right. we were supposed to give a five minute elevator pitch. Five minutes? Yep, yeah. to be able to be accepted into the challenge. We were going to give a five minute pitch. And wow. that's a really long elevator Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, um, I mean, it was hard, but honestly, with a, with a day of just reciting the certain points that I was going to go over, who I am, what I've done, what I stand for. Right, right. I was I was able to just talk about myself and be calm. That's that's the key of it, in my opinion. Fake yeah. it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. <Confidence is> key. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, a really good analogy that I always think of for that, it, going through pilot training, mm-hmm. is my instructor would always tell me that if you ever get in a situation where you're too task saturated and you've got too many things rolling through your head. Mm-hmm. For me, in my opinion, panic is the worst, the worst right. human human attribute that you can think of because panic does no good for anyone. Mm. If you panic, it doesn't do any good for you. It doesn't do any good for anyone else, and it only makes the situation worse. And my instructor would always tell me, if you get down to it and there are too many things going on, fly the damn plane. Just fly <laughs> it. Fly it. Go back to your roots. Go back to oh. what you know and just fly it. Right. Because... Honestly, in any of these situations where I'm public speaking or, or, or up in front of anyone doing anything, you're so many things are going through your head at once that you honestly, you can't take them all in. You can't process right. it all. So you have to just stick to the script, do what you know best, and just fly the plane. Right. That's that's what I've always thought of. Like, for instance, here, I guess two weeks ago, I went and took a friend up flying. And the guy that I rent the plane from usually, which is, it's a rental plane here in mm-hmm. Springdale that I take out, Cessna 152. And um, whenever we flew up, he had failed to tell me that you couldn't talk to air traffic control, which it's a necessity to talk yeah. to air traffic control around here. You couldn't talk to air traffic control until you had the plane up to 4,500 feet. Mm. I didn't know that. And I'm used to flying at like 3,000 feet around here. So we were flying over the college and here I was not able to talk to air traffic control i was trying to say the things that i was that i was trying to say and every once in a while you'd hear somebody break through in another in another transmission and i I started thinking this is this is something's going really wrong here this isn't right like we can't we can't and then again you can't be over a university too flying sort of low without talking to anyone at the same time that's 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 illegal in pretty much every circumstance so um yeah i just i just ended up going back to what i knew you just have to fly the plane. We we went and even though there were all these things going wrong and the electron and right. there were, the alternator was messing up a little bit and there were some things going wrong all at the same time and I was trying to keep the passenger with me calm at the same time too because she knew that everything was not going right also <laughs> because I just oh I just had to, I just had to think fly the plane. What did I always think about? Right. And I was always told just go back to the frequency that you know. Go back to the frequency that you know works. So I tuned back into the frequency of the airport that I took that I talked to before. Got in touch with them, and I was just like, "We're gonna have to fly back. This is not right. working. I mean, we're we're about to be seriously in trouble because the whole time this is all going on. I mean, you you would all of a sudden hear air traffic control patch through, yelling the last three three letters of my tail number oh my God. like they'd be like like all of a sudden we were just flying and then and then all of a sudden you just hear air traffic control who was totally calm when i had talked to him before for a little bit before the transmission went out they were yelling through nine zulu alpha and like that was all i would hear i wouldn't hear anything else so i was i was freaking out and i mean playing back the business i just had to go back and do what i knew best wow. and and take advantage of 
having the knowledge to just stick to a script rather than rather than trying to take in everything that was going on right. at once. You just got to stick to what you know best and do it right. So. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> it was like, terrifying. I that was know what to that was one of the more stressful events that I've been through. So and yeah, absolutely. First, first of all, let's just let's rewind here a little bit. How long have you? I know that you were talking about flying last time, but like, how long have you had your pilot's license? Have a pilot's license for a year and a half now. How old are you? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. When can you get a pilot? When can you can you get, get it pilot? when you're seventeen. Oh my 17, god! Seventeen legally, yeah. Somehow so that does not sound no, right. I started my pilot training so whenever I turned drink seventeen. Alcohol, but you can fly. <laughs> well, that's really good that you. Can Funny, drink also, alcohol it's it's fly. it's the same thing with the military. You can go yeah, and risk yeah. your life, but, and, but you can't drink <laughs> alcohol. But that's but an, that's an argument for another that, time. Yeah. What? Okay, so you got your pilot's license. Uh huh. Got my pilot's license in the summer of 2017. Okay. And then you have to do, I know you have to log a specific amount of hours with an instructor, right? Uh, yes. Before yes. you can fly on your Got to log 40 hours with an instructor, which it's only 20 hours with an instructor and the other 20 are solo. Because during, when you're in pilot training, you the main thing that is nailed into you is that it can't all be taught. You have to go in and out and learn a lot right, of things right. yourself. Because you can't you can't go out and necessarily be taught exactly everything that has to do with sure. flying a plane because there are thousands of different factors that you've got to account for. There's things that you have to experience on your own for you how, to have. How, sorry, I have so many questions. <laughs> Please, ask them. Ask <laughs> About them. this flying situation. Absolutely. How, so you, clearly you took someone up there with you. How yes. often do you fly and how often do people go with you? Uh, fly about once a week. Yeah, yeah fly about once a week. Things go wrong, like yeah. Uh, things go wrong pretty much every time I fly, but it's something like minor always. Uh, that things have never gone that wrong. And now, whenever I was just got out of my flight training and I was taking people flying a little bit, I still was trying to practice stalls and stuff, mm-hmm. which is whenever you go and you when you practice a stall, what a stall is is the plane losing lift in mm-hmm. midair. It's it's whenever the plane goes from having an airfoil surface to pretty much just becoming a rock and falling out of the sky mm-hmm. until it gains lift again and the airspeed. And I was going and practicing stalls with a few friends and we let a wing dip. Like we got hit by wind at the same time that we were stalling. And one of the most dangerous things in flying is a spin stall. It's incredibly hard to recover from. And it's whenever the plane is dipped in mm-hmm. nose over tail and uh, you, you're in a lot of cases inverted almost mm-hmm. and then spinning through the air with one wing stalled out and one wing still flying and I almost got into that situation and that was one of the more scary things that's happened but once again with that I just got I just went back to my roots and what I'd always been told fly the plane mm-hmm. just fly it just don't focus on anything mm-hmm. that you've been taught before just do what you know best because right. just like riding a bike I mean there's all kinds of things that go into riding a bike or driving a car that you can conceptualize, but when it comes down to it, it's muscle memory. Hmm. Just think about the thing that, that you know best and, and go with that. And other than that, that's been the most scary, scary event that's happened to me because... My palms are sweating. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what's interesting to me is that the analogy that you're giving for flying is kind of the analogy you just gave for your, like other things that you're doing and putting yourself up there, which is that... Things can go wrong. You said things go wrong every time I go, but then somehow you still keep going. Absolutely. And I, to me, well, that blows. And, one, I would not, with flying, I would not do that. But I just think that's. Such and when an I say something thing. goes wrong every time I go, to you, it would be something going wrong. Right. But to me, for instance, whenever I've been doing this podcast already, there's plenty of things that have gone wrong. There's plenty of things that I wish I would have said. 
two seconds ago that I didn't say just now. I mean, it's it's a bunch of minor things that I'm accounting for and that I fully expect to happen. Okay. I mean, I, whenever I'm taking off, I don't expect to get a strong gust of wind that all of a sudden scares everyone on board and right. I have to account for real quick. I, many, just, I just do it. How many passengers do you normally, is it just one? Is it like a two passenger plane uh, I can I can take as, as long as it's in a plane that I'm rated in, I can take as many passengers as I want and I can fly anywhere in the world. Do you fly the same, you can fly anywhere in the world? If I wanted to. If I, if I, if I obtained a passport and the right. How big of a plane could you fly? Yeah. Uh, technically right now, uh, the, about the biggest that I could fly is a six or seven seater. What do you want to do? What does one, and this is like a weird question. This is a private pilot's license. This is the most standard pilot's license. But like, what does one do with a, is it just for like personal pleasure? Like, I just want to fly? Or is there like a, is there like some sort of goal with your pilot's Uh, license that you want to accomplish? Like, I I want to fly, I don't know. I want to be a pilot. Or like, you know what, why? With me, I never, I never really. Like, what, why? (laughs) With me growing up, I always thought that I wanted to be an airline pilot. Always oh, thought they'd okay. be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And then when I moved on from that, which I'd, I'd gotten to kind of learn a little bit about mm-hmm. the about flying for, for a career and figuring out that a lot of my dad's friends and these airline pilots that I had talked to before, they say that it diminishes the enjoyment mm-hmm. of flying. If, mm-hmm. if you're flying for, for a job, then it, then it diminishes the enjoyment a, a lot. And throughout my life and pretty much going all the way back to my great-grandfather, they've all had their pilot's license. My oh, wow. dad's dad's dad had his pilot's license. Dad's dad had his pilot's license, and then my dad, dad also has, has his pilot's license. Oh wow! So it's it was it was almost like a rite of passage yeah. to be able to get it. That's that's, that's how it was for me. So did you grow up like grew up around planes? In a plane with your dad? Absolutely. Wow! Yeah. Such yeah. A grew up flying around. Family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> for our. For our picture that we post with this podcast promotion, can you send one of you in a plane? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've got it. Just just recently, I did one yes. of my one of my first uh, flights where, which even though I've had my pilot's license for over a year now, mm-hmm. it's incredibly expensive to fly. Right. Yeah. So we don't we don't have a plane. My mm-hmm. my fam, my my dad just sold his a while back, mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago. So before I ever started my pilot's training, he he sold our plane. But um. Since I'm using a rental plane, I can't really fly around a whole lot to a bunch of different places because it costs too much. But I finally right. went out and flew to uh, our duck club this oh, last wow. weekend for opening day of duck season. Oh my so, God. yeah, flew into for, a little grass strip that was right there. So, do you, do you have to pay for gas when you fly, or is it like does well, that gas is included the in the rental plane? That's what I was asking. Yeah, okay. it comes wet, so it's it's not it's not too bad of a deal. Right, right. It's my, it's about 115 an hour, and it usually takes me a couple right, hours to right, get right. somewhere. So my husband's uncle has his pilot's license, and he owned a helicopter. I asked that because he, oh, had, he had a helicopter for a while, but he wouldn't. He would like sometimes fly in, but mm-hmm. then it would cost. He would talk about like how much the gas would cost for his helicopter. So then he sold uh-huh. it, and he got a plane okay. instead. Yep. Um, but I think he just sold that because he moved to Alaska. He had moved to Alaska. Oh, uh-huh, okay. So, but yeah, it, it just, I had never really thought about that when you think about flying. You don't think about Absolutely. also gas. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. Expensive. It's just, it's just incredibly expensive. It's, it's really hard to keep up with a plane and, right. um, it always will be. It's just, it's a precision mm-hmm. instrument that yeah, you can't yeah, take any, any cuts on really. Oh my goodness. I can't yep. imagine <laughs> like just getting in a plane with, be like, come get in my plane. Uh-huh. Like I just yeah. cannot. <laughs> oh no, I, it's. It's pretty it's, cool, though. So a lot of people, when they think about it, just as, honestly, I can probably apply this to business, too. <laughs> when they think about it, they think that it runs a million miles an hour and that mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing in the world. 
But I promise you, when you get in it, finally apply yourself to mm-hmm. it and actually get in the plane and see what it's like, and you're up in the cockpit, it's really not impossible. It's easier mm-hmm. to fly a plane than it is to drive a car, in my opinion. Because with a car, you've got to account for your turning signal. You don't want to do anything illegal. Right. You don't want to speed. And then you've got to deal with other people on the road. But in the plane, all I've got is up, down, side to side. Mm-hmm. That's it. I've got like up and down, the, side to side. The lessons we're learning. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. Now, there's you've got to be able to prepare for when things go wrong, mm-hmm. which is the hardest part. That's where all my training comes in is whenever right. something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, I can teach a 10-year-old how to fly a plane. I can probably teach a 10-year-old how to land a plane after about a month. Okay. But you can't teach a 10 I mean, you, it, it takes a lot of time to be able to learn all the concepts of the right, things that right. you would account for, for instance, whenever I have carburetor ice. Right. Like, if I, don't, if I don't pour out my carburetor heat, and it's like 70 degrees outside, which is a scenario that we've accounted for a thousand times in right. my pilot training, then you'll have a carburetor ice, and then you've got to account for your engine completely stopping when you're potentially a mile out from the runway still. Mm. Oh, goodness. So, it's, I mean, it's just... Just scenarios like that that are kind of tough to conceptualize, yeah. but really when it comes down to it, you just got to fly a plane. Like right. I said, fly it's it's plane. easier it's easier than you think. It's it's just you've got to take things one step at a time whenever mm-hmm. there's a hundred different steps flying at right. you at the same time. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Hmm. <sighs> All right. Well, I think shifting gears a lot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I got kind of lost on talking about that. <laughs> pilot and everything which is uh-huh. awesome um can you tell us about some leaders in your life or a leader in your life who has inspired you well the biggest leader in my life is my own father i mean i i, I hate to say the most generic response that you can probably think of but i think it's the most adorable response. <laughs> but the biggest leader in my life is by far my father he saw me everything i know um and hopefully he'll be listening to the podcast <laughs> after this because he said that he wanted it he wanted to be able to get that link right but um no, he's definitely the biggest influence in my life because ever since, really when his his life story is completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. For for me, I've, I've had things relatively easy. I haven't had a whole lot of struggling in my life. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of money when I was growing up until I was about eight years old. But other than that, it's been pretty easy selling. But for him, for instance, if, if he were in my shoes right now, he would be expecting... If, if he were to know what would happen in the future and he was to be at the same age as me right now, he would be having me in two years, mm-hmm. and then in three years' time, he'd be taking over a multimillion-dollar corporation that mm-hmm. my grandfather ended up having to hand down to him, mm-hmm. which is something that I can't even imagine right now. Okay. And he's had to deal with all these different hardships, one after another, and he's dealt with them so well mm-hmm. and with such grace that I can't help but admire that in every way possible. I mean, he's... He's really, he's really done well at, at overcoming extreme adversity in a lot of cases. Mm. Yeah, and he was, he was not set up to be on the path that he is now. Mm. I mean, now he's a successful businessman that's done a lot for his family and been a great father, in my opinion. Mm. But he's, he was not set up to be that way from the beginning. Right. Grew up in kind of a fragmented, not very well put together, disagreeing all the time, family out of uh, a poor town. And you know Pine Bluff, Arkansas, mm-hmm. if if you know Pine Bluff very well, mm-hmm. yep. So that's that's really that's the reason that he's the biggest leader in my life. And I mean, he's taught me in a number of things. And the main thing that he's always taught me is that even though things are going to fly at you all the time with with 
all, in all kinds of different directions, you have to just slow down and just take it one step at a time. Because like I said, when it, come, when it came to my public speaking or any of those events that I had to overcome, you just got to trust yourself that you know best. Right. Your instincts know best. Hmm. So, just yeah. have to fly the damn plane. You just have right. to fly the damn plane. <laughs> And, awesome. yeah, and that's something that he drilled into me even before my instructor taught me that. Right, right. He'd always tell me that. I never right. really knew what it meant <laughs> what until I got into pilot training. But right. I can even remember from times where I was eight years old and I'd go out and I was mowing lawn. <laughs> and I'd go and mess up all the lines. I didn't know what I was doing, steering it wrong. And he was just like, don't focus on what you're supposed to be doing. Just fly the damn plane. <laughs> just, you know what to do. Yeah. Just do it right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I've seen that play in in all kinds of different situations, too, because whenever I was getting involved in college more last year and getting involved this year, I mean, I've, I've always gone back to that because even though there's all these different things flying at me at once and I can, I can take advantage of all these different paths, for the most part, I know what I enjoy. Right. I know what's right for me. So just form an outline in your head. Every morning, go over it when you get up. Just form that outline and then just step by step chip away at what your end goal is. Hmm. And for me, I mean, that's that's becoming a successful businessman in finance. So day by day, if you get an opportunity to go to some pitch perfect event like we have here on campus, go to it. That's just one step closer. That's one more learning stepping stone that you're able to use as a crutch hmm. one day. So that's how I see it. Absolutely. Time's <laughs> flown by. Yeah, Time's flown it's by. So, it's so interesting. I'm really, it's so great to see you and just the ways in which you've changed in the wisdom that you know, your oh. knowledge oh, that you've developed <laughs> just in a year. It's, it's really awesome. And so, um, for those of you listening, we hope to have Dave back again, maybe closer to the junior, senior year. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Look thanks forward so to it. Thank, Thank you. So much,